thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com this portion of our program is brought by the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln right off of 146 delicious food and drink always a nice crowd you can either eat in the lounge area there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge you're listening to the john DePietro show we start weekdays at 11 we go until 2 it's a.m 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website petro.com very number of uh, different stories in the news one thing that i want to mention and, and this is just i i think it's actually um embarrassing that rhode island college is announcing that students have to go back to wearing masks uh on the campus in the different classrooms they're going to require masks in classrooms i think it is um i i, I can't believe right now in in 2023 that we're actually dealing with this for the spring semester the school announced on its website it, it, one thing we learned about covid was that it, it it didn't affect young people that was a good thing so students are coming back from winter break they feel providence is a high transmission rate but a high transmission rate among who again they're going to do whatever they want and then people make choices i think it is um because they're saying you know it's happening with Providence. It's it's just hard to believe that right now, with everything we've learned from COVID, and plus for, you know, the amount of people you can get vaccinated and boosted and so forth, you're going to require the college students at Rhode Island College. Now, I know that they're not the only one. Is um, I had also seen, apparently, in UMass, it's the same thing. See, what this is, is the kids have been on winter break. I have a college student has been on winter break, goes back, you know, for spring semesters next week. So they're telling them when they come back. Now, you know, all you can think is that hopefully maybe it would be um, just a short amount of time, uh, maybe till you even just get into February a little bit. But otherwise, it, it, it's, hard, <clears throat> it's hard to believe everything we've learned about COVID. They're going to make the college students wear masks. The college students are the least impacted, affected. Governor McKee just did his inauguration ceremony and there was no one wearing a mask there. So... Now, at the same time, I think a lot of that is actually dictated by faculty and various people that are, are at the college. So now the latest with Anna Walsh. Well, there was a false alarm last night, and I was following it as well. There was someone who was walking on, well, there's several different developments with the Anna Walsh, Brian Walsh case. One thing is police have, uh, they did confirm that apparently they do have video surveillance. Swampscott is a particular area of interest because that's where 
Brian Walsh's mother has a luxury apartment there. And that's where they towed the dumpster from her luxury apartment. Now, he was also apparently seen on video surveillance. There's a liquor store across the street next to a Whole Foods. It's interesting about this case is he keeps leading investigators to his path, so to speak. So he didn't go to the Whole Foods. He said he did. There's a CVS there. He said, yeah, he went to CVS. He didn't go to CVS. There's no record of that. They have video surveillance, uh, video and so forth, and he doesn't have any receipts. But anyhow, but they have him on video near, there's a dumpster at the liquor store. So uh, again, um, so last night, there was a little bit of a false alarm. Someone who was walking on the beach at Swampscott, Fisherman's Beach, the dog, they found some bones. And it, it lit up um, suddenly, you know, Twitter, social media. It was like right around 10.30, maybe even a little bit before 10.30, actually. But it, later into the night. So anyhow, the police immediately responded. And apparently they determined that it was a pig's knee. But if you saw the photo that had been posted, it, it certainly could have been that of a human bone. But the reason why that is significant is because he not only told investigators and admitted that on New Year's Day, Brian Walsh now, that he was in Swampscott, but more importantly, because of his house arrest, he had permission, in fact, to be in Swampscott. So, now folks, this, you know, continues to be, it is a missing persons case. He is not out on bail. I'm shocked at some of the people. Is he out on bail? What, out on bail? He's not out on bail. Then they're not letting him out. Um, and as I, I have said, that even if, in fact, he managed to make bail, he is essentially, by lying to the police, or misleading police, I should say, he... Um, violated the terms of his situation that he's on house arrest or home confinement. Let me hear, this is the um, Boston 25 piece about that she sold her condo the days leading up to New Year's. The proceeds from the sale, about $80,000. As we've been reporting, court documents from Brian Walsh's federal art fraud case indicate he was having financial difficulties and on the hook for more than $300,000 in restitution. I spoke to an individual involved in the real estate transaction. He tells me he contacted state police and shared all the details. For 25 Investigates, I'm Ted Day. So again, that is interesting. They sold that, but <clears throat> I'm not sure how much it, it plays in simply because he had been having, obviously, a lot of financial problems. But they're, they're looking at, at everything. They're also looking to try to um, keep the, the three boys together. And some of her friends have are appealing for custody of the three brothers because right now they are in fact, they're in state custody. And I mean, it's hard to believe that it would actually potentially come out that they may separate them. But so Swampscott police, just to be clear, they did res respond shortly after 10 o'clock and they went to the beach, but it turned out to be a pig's knee. But uh, apparently, but, but the the reason why that is important is just because of the terms of his house arrest, home confinement, where he they were dealing, but it, dealing with um, a radio frequency. 
I know investigators said on New Year's Day, he claimed he left his cell phone. He couldn't find his cell phone. And then he claimed one of his sons took it and then he found it under a pillow. But what's interesting about that is he had to check in with where he was going. He he was gone for a, a pretty good amount of time. And so it, it seems to come back to that. I'm not saying it's the honor system, but it certainly doesn't. It's not like a GPS ankle bracelet where they know where he's going. Uh, certainly loose. It sounds like it's a home confinement designed for someone that because of the art forgery, they in fact did consider him um, a nonviolent type of criminal. So, so right now, they are testing what they found in, in the Peabody transfer station. Now, why that's also significant about the dumpster at the liquor store across the street from where his mother is, why I believe that is also significant is just the fact that it would be the same route. Whoever took the dumpster and emptied the trash at his mother's luxury apartment building in Swampscott, it would be the same route, and they would also get the dumpster at the liquor store, essentially across the street next to the Whole Foods. So, so the question is, you know, is it possible what they found at the Peabody transfer station? Apparently they found a hatchet, they found some form of evidence. They think they found blood, human tissue, uh, a hacksaw. Hacksaw. Is it possible that that came from the liquor store dumpster and not the dump? Well, either way, maybe both. Um, but, but either way, that was significant that they have him. So again, he's put himself in that area and the surveillance video of him near a Swampscott dumpster on New Year's Day. So he was busy. You know, the police were questioning about why, in fact, it took him so long. And then that's why he said he got lost going to his mother's, even though it's a pretty short ride from Cohasset to Swampscott. It's it's more of the seemingly akin. All right, let me hear. I think uh, Fox 25, Bob Ward has a story on this. Yes. Police have a key new piece of evidence. Well, it's really interesting on the investigative front. Uh, it, it's been kind of slow, right? Uh, but state police are still gathering evidence. They're waiting for a test result to come back from the crime lab before they take the next step. But uh, we have confirmed that state police are now in possession of video surveillance of Brian Walsh outside a dumpster in Swampscott near a liquor store near a Whole Foods. That's the area where he said he was on January 1st, which is the day that Anna Walsh disappeared. So very interesting development there about the existence of this video surveillance of Brian Walsh near that dumpster. Meanwhile, out here in Cohasset, where Brian and Anna Walsh live, people here in this town are trying to come to terms with this disturbing case. The cozy South Shore town of Cohasset is the kind of place outsiders might consider a New England seaside town would look like. But the mystery over Anna Walsh's disappearance and the arrest of her admitted conman husband, Brian Walsh, on a charge of lying to investigators is giving outsiders a different glimpse of Cohasset. And people here don't like it. Totally unexpected. You know, I've been here my entire life, 52 years, and I haven't seen anything like this before, so it's quite a shock. 
For nearly a full week, the Massachusetts State Police have been a constant unsettling presence in Cohasset. They recently wrapped up a search of the family's rented home on Chief Justice Cushing Highway, as well as a massive search of woods in and around town. And then there was the fire Friday at the Walsh's previous home on Jerusalem Road that authorities say is not related to Anna's disappearance. All of it, a lot to process for this town of less than 9,000 residents. It leaves you speechless, really. I, I, I can't wrap my brain around it. At the heart of this is Anna Walsh herself. She's still missing. And after a week of heart-stopping headlines about hacksaws, transfer stations, internet searches, and a husband held on high bail, people here are unnerved and thinking about the secrets their neighbors keep. It wasn't about the money for her, I don't think, because she was the breadwinner. But um, there are people, I guess, you never know what your next-door neighbor is capable of. Meanwhile, across the ocean, in Anna's native country of Serbia, concern grows. The Serbian consulate writing, We had a pleasure of meeting Anna in person, and we remember her as a lovely lady. Her disappearance has been a cause of a great concern for the Serbian community in the U.S., as well as for people back home. Now, there's one more member of the Walsh family that we have not heard about, and that is the family dog. Brian and Anna Walsh own a purebred German Shepherd. That dog is now homeless. Now, there is kind of a happy ending, I guess you could call it, to the story, and that is that that dog has been sent to the animal control shelter over in Braintree and is now in foster care, and the foster parents are a state police trooper who is not connected to this case, and his family. So they're taking care of that dog at night. I'm told the dog has a great demeanor, answers commands in German, and uh, the troopers and the detectives that were working this case over the weekend, they just kind of fell in love with the dog, and they wanted to make sure that the Walsh dog was taken care of. So at least a, a, a moment of a bright spot, I guess you would say, in this this tragedy that's been unfolding here in Cohasset that the family dog at least is being taken care of. Reporting live from Cohasset tonight, I'm Bob Ward for your local station, Boston 25 News. All right, that is the latest. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dipietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal analyst expert. He's also Rhode Island, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It's attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, let's start off with uh, the case that has really riveted the nation, 
It's a missing persons case right now. It still remains a missing persons case. But this was the situation in Cohasset, Brian Walsh, and you have Anna Walsh. His wife is missing. Uh, the search was Friday, Saturday. Then on Saturday, they drained the pool. Sunday, they uh, obtained a search warrant. Sunday night, maybe an unusual charge. You don't hear about that a lot of misleading police during the course of the investigation. And then Monday, the blockbuster in court of the fact that they believe they have a, uh, a knife, bloody knife they found in the basement. Hasn't been tested yet. And then he showed up at Home Depot uh, in in Rockland, purchased $450 worth of cleaning supplies. What's also interesting here, Tim Dodd, is he's, he's on like a form of house arrest. He doesn't have a GPS ankle bracelet, but he has one. It's a radio frequency. He's got to get permission to go out and about. They can, I, from what I understand, they can tell when he's been somewhere maybe for too long. On Sunday, he, he went to uh, Swampscott. Some different elements to this. But let's just start off some of your initial legal impressions of this case. Well, <laughs> he's not a very good criminal, that's for no. sure. Um, among the other telling um, aspects of this case, in addition to those that you have enumerated, is allegedly the cops or the prosecutors have um, put out information that this guy was on the internet looking for websites telling him how to dispose of a body of approximately 115 pounds. Right. Um, that's, that's the just weight of his missing wife. That's just astonishing that he'd be yeah. such, I mean, as we've seen with the Idaho um, alleged killer and with this guy, um, your cell phone tracks you, your cell phone is spying on you. If you go on websites, that's easily discernible by the cops if they, you know, get a search warrant and obtain your um, computer or other electronic uh, devices. So when this guy goes online to find out how to dispose of a body, um, does that prove that he did it? No. Is it certainly great evidence to suggest that he did it? Obviously. Um, He's on home confinement. He's got a electronic tracking device. Um, after going on this website, as you said, he goes to Home Depot yeah. and buys four hundred and fifty dollars worth of cleaning supplies, wow. tarps, etc. Um, huh. Must have been really dirty in the basement. Yes. Then, then he <laughs> then he allegedly takes a trip to see his mother. Gets lost. Um, takes yeah. what five or six hours i guess lost um in his mother's neighborhood which yep. doesn't pass the laugh test it doesn't no. th none of this is funny yeah. and if i'm chuckling it's only because the astonishing ineptitude and stupidity of this guy is just yeah. um like something we usually don't see um so he disappears for five or six hours claiming he got lost going to his mom's house he could have been disposing of um, tools and instruments that he utilized if he, in fact, um, is the guy that perhaps disposed of the body. We don't know quite how he did it. We know that uh, the cops have had um, cadaver dogs out at the dump where they think that yes. um, his mother's uh, trash would have been disposed of. Yep. Um, you know, the the... the 
the noose is tightening around him by the minute in terms of the evidence the cops are collecting. Um, also, he, he had tried to say that his wife had probably already left and was in um, D.C. Right. All the while, her phone is pinging uh, another electronic tell. Um, in, um, At the house on both New Year's Day and then the Monday following January 2nd. Now, I guess yeah. all of these um, news stories, John, talking about these inept criminals, um, the Idaho um, killer and yep. this guy, um, perhaps will educate people who are looking to commit future crimes yeah. to leave their cell phone behind because it's spying on them every second that they're out there driving around or, right. you know, plotting what their location is pinging along as they're driving i mean they may not realize it but it's actually they're riding aloud around with it's it's a detector that's alerting eventually possibly law enforcement of of exactly what their path was yes and i think that the cops have in at least these two instances used electronic technology the the own suspects electronic devices to track him and to get evidence against the suspected um killer let's let's say um the trick is when you put this information out it kind of takes a card away from cops potentially in the future if someone is willing to commit the crime of murder intentionally and plans for it these cases are kind of um a primer in what what not to do if you're if you're intending to go out and commit such a heinous act i mean you must presume anyone must presume if you're out and about uh, preparing to um commit a significant crime Everyone's got a Zoom video doorbell or whatever they call sure. those things. Ring, yeah. Rings, thank you. Ring video doorbell. Stores have surveillance cameras. Private yep. homeowners have surveillance cameras. I they mean, have, they, have them on video at Home Depot purchasing this. But, Tim, let's, let's play the devil's advocate. So he's got a good defense attorney, Tracy Minor. She's certainly been around. I find it interesting, as I had actually mentioned you off here, that when the police go in to talk to him Friday and Saturday, she's sitting right there in the living room. So much for the concerned husband. But let's just, you know, just for the sake of the fact that right now they have not found a body. So she's missing. Um, it, it sort of doesn't seem like it was it was planned. I mean, I, otherwise, if it had been, it would have gone to Home Depot. But let's just, you know, did you throw? Yeah, I was cleaning out my basement. I threw that stuff in the dumpster. Uh, she had been in the basement, so she was working on something, whatever, in the basement. She may have cut herself, so if you found some of her blood. Um, we still don't know where she is. I don't know what happened with her cell phone. Maybe she left it behind, and then, you know, sometimes the kids are taking the cell phones. And, um, I mean, do you see – Is Tim, Dad, what, here's my question. Does this become – if you're his attorney, you're, you're looking to try to get some of this evidence knocked out in some way. Now, granted, it's Massachusetts State Police. I think the FBI was even involved with this. But is that what it really becomes? They're going to try to – just cast out or argue or get some of this evidence knocked out because then if you take away you know that he was looking online and looking for that and then 
or whatever it may be. I, I you know, again, I, I'm not, I'm not saying it looks promising, but the right attorney getting some stuff knocked out, you know, stranger things have happened, but I want to hear your thoughts. Yes. I mean, the whole um, strategy, you are absolutely correct, would be to try to suppress and knock out as much evidence as possible. They'll do it in the Idaho case. They yep. tried doing it in the OJ case. You know, just yep. a point of reference that everyone knows. OJ's case was all about the DNA and how it was collected. And um, was it a good search and a good collection of, you know, data to be scientifically analyzed sure now in this case if the evidence is not collected correctly um, preserved correctly if the chain of custody to the lab to do the um, dna testing let's say on whatever they find if that's compromised well that all is to the benefit of the defendant who's trying to keep out as much evidence as possible i mean let's assume as far as going online to see how you dispose of a body, you could say, well, I was, you know, I had time on my hands. I'm a home confinement. I was, you know, a armchair sleuth trying to see how someone would in fact do such a thing. Right. How how does, how, what happened to my wife? Who could do this? If they did this, how would they have disposed of her? I want to know so I can be helpful. I mean, it's a, preposterous position to take and for him to articulate that he would have to testify in some form or fashion which i'm sure his defense attorney would never 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 want him to do um but one of the things that we don't yet have is the lab results from i believe they found a knife and i think it was a hatchet that he had disposed of in his mother's um dumpster dumpster now if those things if those come back with um his wife's dna blood Mm -hmm. evidence um you know that would be pretty compelling that you know it's not like the wife was um chopping up an onion and cut her cut her finger this would be a hatchet and a knife and whatever other instrumentalities they they might find even if they never find the body there could certainly be enough to prosecute him based upon the circumstantial evidence and the science evidence if it comes back as as we think it will. Yeah. And again, I want to remind people, uh, as we're speaking right now, the tarp, whatever he did, we don't know where his movements were that Monday night. I think it's also interesting, Tim Dodd, they're not releasing if they know where he went that Monday night or Tuesday. If he was at the Home Depot, 4 o'clock Tuesday, excuse me, Monday Four o'clock Monday, January second, at the Home Depot, four hundred fifty dollars worth of cleaning supplies, but also drop cloths, tarps. Obviously, something was going on. the The, the question seems to be, I would think, where was he over that next twelve hour period? Um, it, it, you know, he's obviously seemingly hoping that nothing's going to turn up. But my question is, does this sound like the? If it doesn't, but the the stuff in the dumpster. Would you say that this this there's enough here to warrant that they they would bring a murder charge? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, th- th- that will happen, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that just like with the Idaho case, I think the cops are collecting a lot more information that they are not necessarily disclosing. Um, during right. the Idaho case, when the cops were keeping very 
quiet about what they were learning, they didn't have a suspect in custody. In this case, they've got the husband yeah. in custody and he's going mm. nowhere. You know, a few people have asked me, well, bail was set at a half million dollars. If he was to come in with the appropriate amount of money um, to post bail, would he be out? And the answer is no, because he would be held as in, on the underlying charge where he is awaiting sentencing. Um, he would be a violator of the terms of his temporary release, and he would be sent to jail um, until sentencing. Right now, he has been afforded the luxury, if you will, of being placed on a home confinement pending his sentencing. So that would be taken away, and he would be held at a prison until sentencing. So he's not getting back out on the street. To... Tim Dodd, he, he apparently can, did a good job, him or whoever the attorney was, convincing the court, listen, this is a nonviolent offender. It involves swindling someone with some art fraud, Granted, you know, large amount of money. Um, but does what, what is does it surprise you that not only was he still out because I, I, I saw in the court that I think he was supposed to be doing 30, 30 months, but but that he he didn't even have a GPS type of ankle bracelet. It, it's a seam. It's he has to ask for permission. It's limited where he can go. Seems like he's almost on house arrest. And then they, they monitor him through a radio frequency. So any backtrack you can tell us on that? Well, it's not like a GPS no. homing device that they have some, you know, probation officer sitting at a computer screen watching right. every move that any yeah. defendant makes. It's they know the area that they're in in a general way. And if somebody says I need to go to the market or I need to pick my kid up at school or I need to go to a doctor's appointment. There's a certain um, leeway time-wise where, you know, right. they randomly check. They don't always check, but if they check and you're not where you're supposed to be, they'll come pick you up and drive you directly to the, the prison that services that area. Um, so let's assume that he says, I've got to go to um, Whole Foods to go shopping and sure. pick up some stuff for the kids. And they figure out that uh, he's nowhere near the uh, Home Depot. And it looks like he's you know, in the area of uh, a popular local bar, just by way of example. Well, yeah. if they then go out there and they find him at the bar and he's... Um, been not forthcoming he's been dishonest about his movements they will revoke the home confinement and he will be brought directly to prison he doesn't yeah. get a he doesn't get a court hearing he doesn't get to say judge it was a big mistake that he gets lugged and taken away folks quick break much more ahead our legal expert attorney tim dodd right here on the john Petro show Which Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 
1852 based in Smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy with our legal expert it's attorney tim Dodd. tim i want to stay with this missing anna uh, walsh case brian walsh uh two other questions this device that he would be on now i i read that on sunday he told them that he forgot his cell phone and then he said when he got home he realized it was under one of his he claims he his son took it one of his kids took it put it under their pillow D- does that mean is it possible the device the frequency of his home confinement is maybe possibly like an app on his phone and, and, you know, he's supposed to take it with him. He, from what I understand, he has permission to take the kids to school in the morning, come home, take them, pick them up in the afternoon. I, I think on a Wednesday, they allow him to go grocery shopping. Is that what it, do we know, would it be like an app that they put on his phone? I can't be certain. This is Massachusetts okay. and I'm not exactly yeah. sure what they would do in the area of, But um, I, I can't but it, say for certain whether that okay. would be the case. But you know, it's he, not like an ankle bracelet, meaning so that, all right, he goes to the Home Depot on Monday afternoon, January 2nd at 4 o'clock. So I, I, my question is, if he could, the day before, he, he went to his mother's. It's my understanding he left at 3 and he came home at 8 o'clock. And that's when he said, oh, yeah, you know, I got lost. She lives in uh, Swampscott. And then I went to CVS at a Whole Foods. They say they don't have them on video. It doesn't have receipts of that. But that leads me to believe that they, they don't have his exact trail because he said, oh, I forgot my phone. So here's my, my question. If, in fact, if it's like an app on the phone, and maybe leading up to this, he says he's going to pick up the kids from school, come right home. He does that. He says, I'm going grocery shopping Wednesdays from 12 to 1 leaves at 12, comes home, comes home at 1. But if that's the case, it sounds like that Monday night, January 2nd, he could have been out of the house. And if he doesn't have the phone with him, it doesn't sound like they would have a, a trail of where he may have gone. And I think you're exactly right on that point. Yeah. With Let's assume that there is a linkage or an app between his phone and his monitoring device. If that's the case, that's the case. Let's assume that's not the way it works in Massachusetts. Maybe he read about the Idaho guy and said, oh, boy, they tracked this guy in part with his phone. I better not take my phone with me. And he hides it under his kid's pillow. Yeah. Um, And And he did that Sunday. He did that New Year's Day. Right. So he was probably, again, to, to the point that we made earlier, if he's now hip to the fact that the phone spies on you every second that it's with you, um, he might have said, well, you know, this phone's not going to spy on me and stuck it under the kid's pillow and went off to do his business. Mm. Because when they caught him at the Home Depot, they asked him, did you leave the house Tuesday? He said no. Um, excuse me, Monday again. I'm thinking January 2nd. That's why I'm saying the Tuesday. Did you, did you leave the house? No, I didn't. Now, they had a video of him at the Home Depot. And then he said, 
oh, wait a minute, I forgot. I took my son out for ice cream. It, he mentioned the town right next door to, to Rockland. So it, it doesn't sound like, here's the point I'm trying to get to people. If they knew his exact movements, then they wouldn't have to ask him these things because they would know his exact movements. I saw an article where someone explained, let's just say with the radio frequency and the way it works, he goes to pick up his children at school. And if this is the way I understand, if he stops at a store to run an errand on the way home, you know, he's not the frequency. He's not way out of the distance. It's not as long as he doesn't take too long, but it's it's not as defining on the moments as much as some people may think it is. Because I've heard from a number of people, this one guy who had an ankle bracelet GPS, he's like, no, believe me, they track every movement. That's not what this is. This seems to be and I could see Tim Dodd, you know, it's got the three kids. Uh, you know, the wife, attractive. It wasn't a violent crime that he ripped someone off. They live, it's a beautiful town. So mistakenly, I could see where someone would say, yeah, this guy's really not like a big criminal threat. And it, I'm not going to say it was the honor system, but it, it's pretty loose with the, the house arrest if, in fact, it's really just an app on the phone. Well, yes, and until the wife goes missing, you're right. I mean, he's yeah. he's a guy that was got caught selling forged Andy Warhol um, right. paintings or yeah. prints or lithos, whatever he was selling. So they probably didn't think he was a high risk target to do anything further sure. in a criminal way. They had let him stay home. They had let him stay with the kids and take the kids to school. You know, that's not the way they would ever approach someone they thought to be a high risk um, or defendant of some kind. Right. Yeah. Uh, but that also opens up the door that he may have been out that Monday night disposing of where, whatever, you know, the tarp and so forth. Let me just ask you if you could clarify. And again, folks, speak with our legal analyst attorney, Tim Dodd, about the bail. Now, they said it's 500,000 cash bail. So, again, I had some people, oh, that's, you know, no big deal, $500,000 bail. You only have to put up 10%. So that's 50,000. You get a bond. So you put up 1,000 or 5,000, and then it's not a big deal to get out on that bail. I, I don't. I, I, I. Someone else had told me that that's not how that works. Well, if it's cash bail, it's a cash bail five hundred thousand. Five hundred. Now, if he can get a bail bondsman to underwrite that on okay. Rhode Island, he could get a bail bondsman to underwrite it. The bail bondsman, you know, might <clears throat> for a lesser sum post the full five hundred thousand on his mm. behalf. Wow. That that's the way it works. So let's assume the bail bondsman says to this guy, um, "How much do you have?" And he, well, I don't have the five hundred thousand. I've got two hundred thousand. Yeah. All right, give me the two hundred thousand, and I'll post the five on your behalf. Now, if the guy goes to all of his court hearings, etc., fine. If the guy skips, now the bail bondsman's on the hook for the five hundred thousand. And he either goes to find the guy and shakes it out of him or the bail bondsman is now obligated uh, because the guy skipped to pay the 500. So bail bondsmen's basically are assessing criminals and determining whether they want to take a risk um, bonding on their behalf. Because when it goes wrong, the bail bondsman can get stuck with a significant bill. When it goes right, the bail bondsman's making a, a, a tidy profit. Um, by posting. And, and how does the bail bondsman make money? Because I'm sure Tracy Miner, she's a criminal defense attorney. She might know of several that would put up 
okay, you have two. Give me the two. So he's really putting up three. And then how does he make money off of that? Well, he gets the two. And if the okay. guy goes to court, he keeps the 200000 He doesn't have to give any portion of it back to the guy. Okay. Um, and typically, bail bondsmen who are in that echelon would be um, posting things like real estate they own. Sure. You know, they're not coming up with that money out of their pocket. They're right. posting assets against the full, va- the full amount of the bond. Yeah. And, and Tim Dodd, though, as we said, it sounds though the feds are standing nearby. You just got to wonder, is it really even worth it? He might need the 200000 let's just say if that's the amount, for an attorney, as opposed to, it sounds like then the feds could just grab him for violating. Well, yeah, that's why. In terms he, of his pro- he, parole. He, he's not going to. Excuse me, house arrest. This guy is not going to waste his time finding a bail bondsman or trying to scrape up the cash to post the bail. Because right. even if he did, he's still going to be held as a violator because they got right. him for violating the terms of his home confinement. And he'll go to jail. Until, uh, I don't think he's been sentenced yet. He's awaiting sentencing and he's on yes. home confinement awaiting sentencing. So even if he posts the full 500, here you go, court, here's 500,000 right. in cash. They'll say, great, but you're still not getting out because yeah. you're being held as a violator. And he'll still be held in jail. So there's no Mm. point to him posting or talking to someone to post on his behalf because he's not going anywhere. Tim, no more home confinement for this guy? No. No. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food, drink, Always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there. Or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather. They have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. Folks, again, we're speaking with our legal analyst, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, you and I have been following. I was actually very surprised at this. And I'm talking about the state trooper that he punched someone when they were putting him in a cell. And then as a result of that, Colonel O'Donnell was the chief at the time. He told him, plead guilty for it. It's it's Jamie Taylor Donnelly. He actually put in saying the whole episode stressed him out. Judge from what I understand, is now granting him his pension from the state police on a, on a going out on stress over the whole incident that seemingly that he caused all by just his actions. Well, yes, there's more layers to it, but that is a place to start. So this trooper, any, any trooper, um, at least at the time that this guy was employed as a trooper, if you were to go out on a disability um, and it was medically determined that you were now medically disabled from performing your job as a state trooper, you would go out and get 75% of your pay tax-free, which is a pretty good deal. Now, no one wants to be disabled um, in in any meaningful way, but if you are, you get 75% of your um, pay tax-free. So this guy uh, claims 
a variety of stress, anxiety, and other mental-related um, problems. He says it's not just this incident where he is alleged to have punched a guy, a defendant, a suspect um, in the cell. Uh, that before that incident, he had had, I think he had to shoot at somebody in a, in a confrontation. And he also talked about other events as a trooper that placed him under stress and for which he required medical treatment, seeing psychiatrists or psychologists or the like. Now, he spent a lot of time protesting his innocence. He spent a lot of time running around saying that, you know, his superior said, just plead guilty, take the hit, and you'll keep your job. And then he attempted to recant and say, no, I didn't do it. I was told to take the plea. I shouldn't have done that. So that spins round and round. Um, ultimately, the guy that he punched in the cell, I believe, got a settlement of $150,000. So that's, yeah. that's not insignificant. Um, but he was able to put forth a case that his stress and um, mental um, difficulties were not solely related to the incident where he is said to have punched a guy in, in the cell, that there were a number of job-related stressors that um, made him an appropriate guy to get a disability pension. Now, O'Donnell initially said, no, you're not getting the pension. Um, his successor, um, not immediate, I'm not sure if it was immediate successor, but Colonel Manny concurred, no, you shouldn't get your pension. Uh, this guy goes to court, and the judge, looking at the entirety of this guy's medical history uh, during the time he was a trooper, concluded that there were a number of factors that led to this man, this retired trooper, um, being entitled to the disability pension. So a judge looks at a case like this perhaps very differently than the colonel of the state police might, because the colonel of the state police is judging this guy by, I would presume, the conduct that he was perceived to have been exhibited by this trooper while he was on the job. The judge is more looking at it dispassionately based upon the medical records. And the judge who made the decision, Judge McHugh, who's a very good, very experienced, um, uh, before he was a judge, very experienced litigator, uh, looked at all the facts and said, this guy's entitled to his pension and made it retroactive to when he first applied for it, I believe, in 2018. So he's going to get a significant check for all the back um, disability pay he should have been getting. Wow, that is amazing. Folks, again, we speak with our legal analyst, uh, attorney Tim Dodd, and, and that, that case has been um, uh, kicking around. Tim, um, before I let you go, just... Uh, Two other things. Um, Ex-Trump uh, organization CFO Alan Weisberg sent to Rikers Island. Uh, what are we to make of that? Well, it's um, Wesselberg came in early. The feds really pressured him to flip and to testify against Donald Trump, which he never did. Wesselberg yeah. was the CFO of the Trump organization. He had been an employee of the Trump organization for like 50 years. And he acknowledged, although he did assist and he did testify, 
uh, as a state witness or a government witness, I should say, at trial, where the feds went after the Trump organization, not an individual, but the organization for criminal conduct, Wesselberg said, this was my doing. This was my greed. This was me setting something up so I could get compensation, which I would not have to report. What was that? Well, a free apartment. Well, there's an imputed monetary value to that, but he never declared it. So mm-hmm. he was getting a free apartment. He was getting all sorts of goodies. He got free use of a luxury vehicle. He had, I believe, his grandchildren's tuition paid to go to private school. That should have been reported as income. He didn't do that. Um, now, ultimately, it's figured out that this type of conduct is going on for Wesselberg and other executives in the Trump organization. Wesselberg says Donald Trump and no one in the Trump family knew anything about this. This was my greed. This was my idea. This is something that I did. Despite that, the government in their closing said Donald Trump knew all about this. Mm. So um, I don't know that the jury necessarily bought that argument. They did find the Trump organization guilty. I think the Trump organization is going to get fined a couple of million dollars. Wesselberg goes to jail for five months. He'll be out in three. He's got to pay two million in back taxes, which he's already done. He'll be on uh, supervised release for five years. Um, But he's an interesting witness because he cooperated to a point enough to point fingers at what was going on within the Trump organization, but he never delivered what the government really wanted was to say, oh yeah, Donald Trump knew all about this. That would have been the, the prize that, the, that has eluded the government so far, and they didn't get it out of Wesselberg. And just finally, and even just 60 seconds, but this Barrington daycare, kids' quarters accused of giving kids melatonin gummies that's you know it, it helps uh sleep sounds like it was given to them for nap time tim dad I'm, I'm actually i i just wonder could the daycare have some legal problems here since in fact that you know normally you're taking over these you know in care of these children i i believe there's a tremendous amount of regulations that a place like that has to follow and that will be the issue john when yeah. you hire people to work at these daycares you know, there's a serious vetting process that you're supposed to go through before you hire them to make sure there's nothing in their background which would make them a danger to be around um, children. And the owner of this particular daycare said, you know, we vetted this person a million ways to Sunday. We're shocked that this person would be um, giving these kids <laughs> pills with melatonin in it. You know, it, you got to do your due diligence. And if they did their due diligence and despite all the background checking they did, this person um, surreptitiously brings these pills in. um, It's a question. Did the owner of the, could the bill owner of the business know that this was going on or should they have suspected it? If they couldn't know and couldn't suspect, you know, any criminal liability will probably just fall on this, individual who was providing this, um, I guess, medication or pills, uh, it would be a stretch to impute um, the owner of the, of the daycare as being, you know, also negligent or criminally responsible. I, I don't see that based on what we know so far. Folks, he is our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thanks, John. Take care.
For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401 434 1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401-434-1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401 401- 434-1510, Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. The Cohesit Inn, 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast, is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, petro.com And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at petro.com And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, petro.com getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service Matthews Oil Company, 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service, right, Jim? Yes. And 24-hour. 
for right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil. Yes, we have budget plans. We have. Uh, we also take state. Uh, we take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and towns uh, community action groups. We've participated with that for twenty years. We're actually thirty or forty now, since the eighties.